your hands unto the Lord. He's worthy, amen? Glory and praise and honor be unto him. If he's done something good for you, not only today, but it's coming. It's coming. It's good to give him praise no matter what day it is, what hour it is. Amen? Praise God. I'll tell you, um, there are times when I come in and I wonder. I, I don't want to crawl out of bed, but when I start to think of where I'm going, I start to feel a little better. And then I start, when I, once I get out and I put my slippers on or my whatever it is that I'm putting on, I feel much better and I, I move and I'm persuaded by that to say, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord and give him praise because he is worthy to be praised. Amen. I come here today with expectation, knowing that God is going to do something good for us. He's already in the midst. And, I'm not, and I know this because, you know, it, God will meet us where we are at times and, and we ask him and he does deliver. And through his deliverance, he gives you peace and he gives you reassurance. Amen. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to share a little something here that he brought to me. And we, when we expose our, vulnerabil our vulnerabilities to God, he begins to show us the power of his hand. And that there's nothing uh, impossible for him to do for us. I was sitting down yesterday. I'm going over, you know, this teaching today. And, and it's stirred in my heart. And the reason... And God wanted me to share that the reason we are here is because somebody has brought us here or somebody invited us to church. And in doing that, that means that somebody cared for you enough to bring you closer to God. With that being said, I want to say this. Remember who that person was, whether it was mom or dad, whether it was a sibling, whether it was, you just don't know. For me, it was my wife. And so, you know, but we should remember these people and just give God thank you for sending that person, for putting it in their heart to invite me to church, and here we are. Praise God. All right, without further ado, <laughs> we'll turn to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 15 through 18. And the scripture reads, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we know that here uh, Paul is referencing the Spirit as the Holy Ghost, just in case. So if you'd bow your heads with me and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that you have given to us to, to lead us, Lord God, into all truth. And, Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, that... Um, as, as you give us what we need, Lord, but we also pray for those that are, are crying out to you, those who are, are seeking truth, Lord God, that as you begin to pour out your spirit, Lord God, upon all flesh, Lord God, even today, even right now, Lord, that there are going to be souls, there are going to be, uh, their eyes are going to be opened and they're going to receive understanding and revelation, Lord. But also, Lord God, that same spirit, Lord, that saved us, oh God, that came into us, Lord, that that will continue to lead us, Lord God, by your word and through your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise God. And you may be seated. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I'm already thirsty. <laughs> thirsty for something good, though. Praise God. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul tells, us, uh, tells them to walk circumspectly, meaning careful, cautious, prudent, discreet, and in verse 18, 
he says, but be filled with the Spirit. And in between those, uh, those lines, he, he, gives ex- uh, he gives examples of how not to be. And, and the reason being is because he says that the days are evil. But also, uh, the interesting part that, that, re- you know, that he talks about is redeeming the time. And I've always said, well, how can we redeem the time? And, and it's, it doesn't mean to take it back. What it means is to be cautious of that time. There's already too much time lost. And we need to use what time we have uh, as, as treated as pearls. It's precious. It's valuable. And that said, why the Spirit? Why do we need the Spirit? Because the Spirit of God will always revert us back to His Word. Uh, we are reminded daily in God's Word that God dwells in us and that He's with us. And in doing so, we should want to do the things that are pleasing to God. The Holy Ghost entered, a, entered our body. The Scripture declares that we are made a new creature. And in being a new creature, we're, we're, that means we're transformed. We're, we're not the same. We're not what we used to be. Most people are excited when something you know, new happens in their lives or they're excited just to be involved in something new. It could be a new friend, a new neighbor, even a new pet. But for us, when we become transformed, it, it's usually personal because it's you and it's God. The same thing is for me. It was me and God. It's for a moment, and it's different for everyone, but it's new and it's exciting. I believe some of us have mentioned through our testimonies when we first came to God or we first came to the church and we felt his presence. The first time, you know, you kept, you, you didn't really feel much at first, but you came because it was a drawing. But then there came a moment when you were here and you felt that there's something different about today. And you knew that when you walked out that door, that day would not be the same. You were changed at that moment. There was something about that moment. And it was God coming into your life and revealing himself for who he was. Others have experienced a transformation in their lives uh, spiritually. They've grown in strength. And for those who have been in it for a while, uh, a testimony this is a testimony that no one can take from you. It will always be with you. Uh, you can't deny it because it was with you. And, and other people will try to change your mind and think it was something that was, you just felt a few goosebumps. But it's more than that. God speaks to you as, as you walk through your life. God starts to expose things that nobody else could show you that you asked for. Pentecost, we all know of it because we all read about it in the Bible. Uh, but just like it is for us from our experience, so it was for those people at that time. And it was, for, it, was all, it was not only for that time, but it was also documented for the time of now. Nothing like it had ever happened uh, in Jerusalem. Men and women were, at that time, were pouring down from an upper room. Uh, people were filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, they, they were coming down the steps into the streets, they were ecstatic, faces were glowing with joy, words of praise, they were just glorifying God and praising and even stammering lips. They were noisy too, noisy enough to draw a crowd of pilgrims who had traveled from all over the world during this time of Pentecost because something else was happening during this time. As these festival goers, uh, there was festivities happening, they were amazed to find Galileans in this time of Pentecost, of course, 
the Jews who were not known for, uh, you know, their formal education. They were, they were people who didn't have much skill, and they were speaking in their own language. Not their own language, but the language who heard them speak. Men of from the island of Crete, Arabians from the desert, Parthians from uh, the Asian steppes, steeps, sorry, Medes from the far northern mountains, and travelers from as far as Rome all heard these Galileans proclaiming the wonderful works of God in a multitude of languages, including their own. So something miraculous was happening here, something that was supernatural, something that just doesn't happen because somebody decided, hey, let's, let's, let's play this out. It was, I should say, well, it was simultaneous, but it, it was also spontaneous because the Holy Ghost had fallen. Amazed and gathered, uh, the first crowd they looked at one another. They asked, "What is you know? What does this mean?" Confused, not not well understood. Uh, as often as this happens, the super, this, when the supernatural manifests itself, uh, there's going to be a lot that's going to come to question. People begin to say, "Is this something uh, that's maybe gibberish?" And as we know, we read the scriptures; they speak of them and they call them as them being drunk. But the Bible said that. Uh, as they said that, that the, these men were full of wine and drunk, they started to, uh, you know, just think of ludicrous explanations as, as to kind of uh, just push it off to the side. And, and I have to say that I fell into the same category when I, when I read this scripture because when I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I denied that there was an infilling of the Holy Ghost. But I said, and I think I've shared this before, I said, Lord, if this thing is real, then you're going to give it to me. And I walked up to the altar, and I remember standing up, putting my hands up in the air, and as I stood there, I knelt down, and as I knelt down trying to come back up, I couldn't come back up. It was, well, how couldn't you? My knees started to buckle. I, it, there was weakness in my knees as if, I, as if somebody had drained the energy out of my legs. And I knew for a fact that something, again, supernatural was happening to me at that point in my life that I couldn't explain it. No doctor would have been able to explain it. But my hands could still be fully extended to the top. So I remember standing back up, trying to stand up, leaning against the wall. And I came back down, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I'm a believer now. I said these people are crazy. I said talking tongue was not real. The fact of the matter is that it is real. It's real. And it's heavenly. It's the communication between God and us. And also we know that God uses this gift for another purpose, to communicate to the church. God gave it to those who freely received it in faith. But you know, Peter didn't, uh, when he heard these things happening, he didn't stand down. Peter was, a, was someone who, uh, I believe, uh, God chose him for a reason. He knew he was going to do something. Plus, he filled him with the Holy Ghost at that moment. Uh, they were all in the, in the, in the midst at, this, at the same time. And, and Peter stood up. And, of course, the moment came where he had to declare what needed to be true because he knew it to be true himself as well. He wasn't going to let them just say something, mock them. And it says it was, it's, he stood up with the other apostles, declared, and these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. So it was only 9 o'clock in the morning, the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and it had both empowered the disciples and drawn their first crowd. 
This was Peter's first, uh, I, I should say, initial, uh, I guess, sermon or, or uh, decla- declaration of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so he opened his mouth and he began to speak. This is Acts 2.14. He looked out across his audience of thousands, men of Judea, and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and heed my words. Peter began preaching. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel was known as the prophet of Pentecost because he foretold these events. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 through 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Peter was telling the devout Jews who had gathered together in Jerusalem that day that the prophecy was being fulfilled. It was being fulfilled before their very own eyes. Those who had traveled, again, across, uh, they were there to uh, bring their first fruits to the temple. They witnessed the first fruits uh, of God's new harvest of souls being brought into the church. And then I said earlier, possibly even them being included in it. And before that day was through, 3,000 more would join the joyful harvest celebration. This came to, also came to be because someone obeyed the voice of the Lord. Jesus spoke to the uh, apostles uh, before that time, and Jesus told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem for the arrival of the Holy Ghost. This surprised the Jew, pil- Jewish pilgrims uh, that day, but On the other hand, the disciples had been waiting for it with expectation for about 10 days. So they were waiting. They they knew it was coming. They were prepared for it. After rising from the dead and spending 40 days with Jesus, after he had ascended, he told them, he said, go and wait wait for the promise of the Father, which saith ye have heard of me. And this is in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus did not tell them exactly when. The spirit of the Lord was going to, when his spirit was going to fall. He simply told them, uh, not many days from now. In the same way for us, uh, I think a lot of the times uh, we have people that, that are baptized in Jesus' name and, and we expect it immediately. And it can't happen. But I also ask for those that have been baptized in Jesus' name to wait patiently and still keep coming and obeying the voice of the Lord, and and God will bless you. Perhaps this was the final test to see who really wanted the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this is why he made them wait 10 days. And the reason I say this is because we read in scriptures that there was 500 of them in the very beginning, and then towards the very end, when the Holy Ghost fell, there was only 120 left. And this is in the upper room. Joel's prophecy, this was not some strange occurrence. Peter assured the crowd there was biblical prophetic precedent for it. Just as Joel, Ezekiel, and the others had prophesied of the Holy Ghost had been uh, poured out on Pentecost, just as Jesus promised the promise of the Father that come upon the believers, now Peter wanted everyone with an earshot to know that this promise was not only for 
the exclusive few. Peter reached out deep into his figurative pocket, and he pulled out the keys Jesus had given him. He extended it out to everybody. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord shall call. This declaration, I believe Peter made it very, uh, it sounds, it's declarative, but it's, it's also opening, and it, it also brings joy to every heart from the rich to the poor, that no matter where you are, you can still come to God and still find yourself in the hands of the Lord. There are some steps we have to take, but we can get there. These words of Peter still echo down through the centuries to us. All that are far off did not just mean those physically distant from Jerusalem, but all these, uh, those separated from the day of Pentecost by both time and space. The promise of the Holy Ghost is Holy Ghost for you and me today. God has not withdrawn his most incredible gift from us. God did not love Peter and John any more than he loves us today. All those who seek it in faith will receive it. Simply, simply pray, come Holy Spirit, and expect God will respond. He will. If God gave this wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost to the apostles and disciples in the early church, he will definitely give it to us today or to those who ask of it. In the day of Pentecost, it was no coincidence that this first spirit outpouring happened when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The Feast of Pentecost, also known as, I said earlier, the Feast of Ingathering, was a harvest celebration. It was called the Day of First Fruits because on this day, the people of Israel were called to uh, begin bringing their offerings of first fruits to the temple. The celebration centered around the Sabbath rest day and a holy convocation or gathering. And of course, we know the, the rest for us has entered when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. We enter into his rest. The prophet Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years earlier saying, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not here. So we're going to find people who are not going to hear it. And they may even deny it. But God still, if they find it in their heart to say, you know what, what, what if? And that's, that's what we want to create in their, what if? Actually, it's not, it, it, it is. But we want them to get the what if so that they know it, that it is. And we walk that way so that they know what we also know that it is. By saying that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, the Bible shows that the Holy Ghost began in, it, I'm sorry, the, the Holy Ghost is no respecter of persons. God did not only fill Peter, James, and John because they were uh, in Jesus' inner circle. He did not just fill the apostles because they were close to Jesus. He did not limit the infilling of Jesus' earthly family because they were closely related to him. No, the Holy Ghost is for whoever will. Everyone that, uh, there that day who had the faith to obey Jesus by waiting, watching, and praying was filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Spirit. Although Peter began preaching by pointing to the Old Testament and prophecies for telling the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 
It is also interesting to note that uh, his preaching very quickly returned to the focus of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 24, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Deliverance. The response to Peter's audience was instantaneous. There, there were convict, they were convicted and, and spurred in action. They did not know what to do when he, when he expounded on this. What was the appropriate response to the realization that Jesus had died and risen for them and that they would each personally have to hold, be accountable for what they did. They were guilty and they had sin upon them. Acts chapter 237, and they asked the question each one of us must ask in our lives before salvation can come. Men and brethren, what shall we do? I believe I remember asking that question myself. What do we have to do? They offer no excuse, no deflection or procrastination. Theirs was an honest, direct question as a response to conviction. Then Peter said unto them, Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remember, these are the devout Jews. They had been taught uh, all their lives, the intricate and costly trespass offerings that were required to blot out their guilt. They had traditions they did. Uh, perhaps they had, they had expectations of the same kind, a list of animals to sacrifice. Uh, the blood was used for some. The meat was burned. Uh, the grain offerings, uh, the, company, the a company of sacrifice, maybe a scapegoat would be released into the wilderness. Or perhaps a weeks-long ritual of cleansing would be required, washing the blood and the clothes, shaving the head, and an inspection by the priest of something similar. But that's not what was expected. Jesus had already fulfilled all those types of shadows. He had done the hard work of salvation, and it was already, and it was done at his death, burial, and resurrection. The Holy Ghost is for everyone and anyone. It doesn't matter what your heritage is, what your ethnic background is, what your social status is, how good or bad of a person you may be, or what faith and tradition you grew up in. The Holy Ghost is for all who are far off. That's what the Bible says. Even as many as the Lord shall call. Acts 2.39. The very fact that you're here means God is calling you to receive his spirit today if you've not received it yet. You shall receive power. Acts 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse, verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, 
the Holy Ghost gives us power to be witnesses. Once you receive the Holy Ghost, you do not have to be afraid to share what God has done for you. Proclaim the truth in love. Let Jesus speak through you. Let the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will bring uh, the words that you need to speak. He will remind you of it just like he has done with the apostles that we saw. Oh, we've read, I'm sorry. So scriptures preaching things that you have heard. So sometimes hearing preachings that uh, allow us to grow spiritually, that line up with word is good. And we can use that to, to win people to the Lord. Do not worry about whether you will have the right things to say. The Holy Ghost will teach us. He'll guide us to speak. And you'll just have to have the courage and trust that God will give us the words to speak in faith and in his power. So be not drunk with wine, where is the excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18, how often does a drunkard seek another drink as often as possible, right? It is rare for a drunkard to push back and say, that's enough for me. This excess leads to a false illusion of happiness and well-being and ultimately to all kinds of tragedy and destruction in their lives. But by contrast, and this is, this is the, 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 the little bit of a twist here, if we as Christians have that same constant thirst for the Spirit, it will lead to true righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So just as a drunkard has that, that urge to drink, we should have that urge to be filled with the Spirit every day. And the word will, will bring that back to us as well. God reminds us of the good things that he's done for us and he renews us. Those who heard the disciples speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost thought they were under the influence of alcohol. But they were not under the influence of, of, of liquid spirits. They were under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. The devil offers drunkenness as a cheap substitute for being filled with the Spirit. Someone intoxicated will stagger back and forth under the influence. A believer walks circumspectly and wise down the straight and narrow when he or she is under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Everything God creates is in complete opposition to what the devil and the world have to offer, and it is uncomparably better. In closing... It's probably the first time this has happened. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But y'all going to stay there. <laughs> Nathan McKee shares a, uh, this is a pretty long story, so you guys to be sitting for a while. <laughs> he shares a story. And I think we, uh, some of us have probably related to this because we've all been involved in outreach in some way, form, or fashion. And, um, Says when, uh, he says, when I was in a university, I spent two years uh, walking the streets of downtown Ottawa. Every Tuesday to hand out sandwiches, socks, to the homeless and panhandlers. An estimated 80% of those people were suffering from some form of substance abuse, usually alcohol. 
as we went out month after month, I noticed a strange pattern. Early in the month, the people we helped would often have liquor bottles close to hand, and the smell would be strong on them. But towards the end of the month, they would have bottles of Listerine, and their breath would be fresh with mouthwash. I asked my team leader about it. He explained what? He explained that, every, that early in the month, they had money from their government checks and could afford to buy alcohol. But by the end of the month, they were out of money and so bought the cheaper alternative of Listerine. They would literally drink this mouthwash because it has enough, al- enough alcohol content to, s- to stave off their withdrawals until the next check arrived. What a tragic picture of the false substitute the devil pawns off on people and the destruction it brings. And then he goes on to say, my own family suffered the devastation of alcohol addiction with several family members dying of cirrhosis of the liver or accidental death due to intoxication. I personally have lost two family members probably within the last three years. Cirrhosis of the liver. And the other one was so drunk he fell backwards. He hit the back of his head. He went to the hospital. He never came back out. It's like relation, you know. But a faithful couple from a small Pentecostal church, he goes on to say, in Winnipeg, Canada, would drive half an hour across town every Sunday to pick up a little girl from the wrong side of the tracks and take her to Sunday school. Being just a child, some days she would sleep in and wouldn't go out. When they honked, they would turn around and drive half an hour back to the church. And the next Sunday morning, They would be waiting outside her house again. No blame. No pointing the fingers. Just a constant love flowing from the Spirit. That little girl would one day be filled with the Holy Spirit in that little Winnipeg church. She would go on to finish high school the first in her family to do so, and then go on to Bible college. There she met my dad. The rest is history. Yes, that little Sunday school child was my mom. I am the first-hand beneficiary of people who chose not to be drunk with wine or anything else the devil has to offer but rather to be filled with the spirit of God will you will you make that same decision today are you thirsty for something real there's nothing more real than God You see, everything that we see is is physical, but it's not real. When God comes, the only thing that will remain is what is real. It's Him. He is the most real thing that there is. Even though He made this, He is the most real thing that there is. He, will you reach out 
and drink deeply of the Holy Spirit. Only the years will show the lasting impact that decision will bring. It is only through the choices that we make that will draw us close to God. It is only by His Spirit. He draws us nigh. If you would stand with me today and give Him a song of praise and just declare in your heart, Lord, I want more of your Spirit. And if you've not received it, ask God, Lord, fill me with your spirit and he will Lord we want more of you this world is falling apart but we know that we, we are we're with you Jesus nothing Lord God seems to be wrong anymore because we walk with your spirit Lord Worshiping you, yes, Lord. With all I am, worshiping you. I'm bowing down in spirit and truth. With lifted hands, worshiping.
your hands up unto the Lord and just give some praise. Lift your voices up. Don't be fearful. He is here in the midst. Lord, my spirit, oh God, your spirit, Lord. Lord, I want to be, Lord Jesus, as you want me to be. Lord, let your Holy Ghost within me, Lord, revive again. Lord, let there be a breakthrough in my life, Lord God. Let me not be the same person that I was when I walked in this morning, Lord. Let there be revival, Lord God, in every heart here today. Let there be, Lord Jesus, a breakthrough, Lord God, that when we step out to the streets, that the enemy is not going to know what to do because the people of the living God have stepped out to do the work of the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to move, Lord, in your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for moving in your people. Thank you, mighty God. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? It is great to be in the house of God. When the Spirit moves, the people move. When the people move, there is revival, I tell you. The hearts become burning. They burn with a soul within the soul of the person. And life is brought back into every person. Oh, I tell you right now, when today I encourage you to go speak to someone and say, God is going to do something great with you. Not just because I'm telling you to say it, because you're going to say because you know he's going to do that. You're filled with the spirit of the living God that you may do the things. Greater things will ye do, says the word. Greater things. This is Jesus speaking to us. Do we believe what our Father has said to us? I do. I do. He says, oh, go ye. Go out and make disciples. Go out and make disciples. And this is what we're going to do. God is going to bless us. We go out with that go out with the strength of the power of the Holy Ghost. And when you feel that you don't have the words, say, Lord, I don't know what to do. He says, it's okay. I'm going to tell you what to say and just go forth and do his part. In Jesus' name, may God bless you today. God bless you today. I'm telling you that God is doing great things. I know that he is. I know that he is. We may be few, but God can do a lot with a few people. A lot with a few people. Oh, we need more numbers. No, we don't. We don't. We are the chosen. We have to go out there and bring in those people and say, oh, we love you. We care for you. We're glad that you're here. Praise the Lord. Man, I, if you're watching on the media, we're going to go into prayer. We want you to join us at 11 o'clock. We're having a, a great word coming today. So hear what the Lord has to say. God bless you. God give you all that you need. And we, we're glad that you've tuned in. In Jesus' name as well as everybody here, God bless you, everybody. I praise God that God has given you uh, 